So again, it's Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 13. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us. He went away from there and came to his hometown, and his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown, and among his relatives, and in his own household. And he could do no mighty work there, except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. And he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. He charged them to take nothing for their journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in their belts, but to wear sandals and not put on two tunics. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And if any place will not receive you, and they will not listen to you, when, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. So they went out and proclaimed that people should repent. And they cast out many demons and anointed with oil, many who were sick, and healed them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well, friends, we are continuing in our sermon series, The Story of Jesus, And today's message is called Rejects. Uh, We're going to be talking about rejection today. What do you think of when you think of the word rejection? I have to tell you, when I was thinking about this message, um, I had a funny image pop into my head. This might seem like kind of random, but I thought about this uh, old Geico commercial. Maybe some of you might have seen it um, with this uh, basketball player. Uh, He's he's retired. Uh, This guy, Dikembe Mutombo who was known for blocking shots. He was this really uh, tall dude. And it's a really random commercial. And it's talking about how much Dikembe Mutombo likes blocking shots. And so there's people just like randomly, like they're trying to toss like groceries into their basket. And Dikembe Mutombo comes out of nowhere and like just, just blocks it. And, you know, and then he waves his finger. He was known for this. After he blocked a shot, he would wave his finger and go, no, no, no. Right? And he just, so you see in, in this gif, um, that he's blocking this woman trying to throw laundry into the basket. No, no, no. And uh, it's kind of random, but I had a friend who I guess thought this was kind of funny, and he was like at a church picnic, and uh, someone was like tossing, it was this girl, she was tossing like a dumpling, a mandu to someone. Right? They're like, hey, hey, give me a mandu. And they're tossing it. And just out of instinct, he just, boom, just blocks it. And he goes, no, no, no. And the girl looks at him like he's crazy. She obviously didn't get the reference, right? It's like, what in the world are you doing? But I, I, I just know that when you watch basketball and somebody blocks a shot, you know, somebody says, rejected. No, no, no. <laughs> uh, I think rejection is kind of a big no, no, no. It's this idea that no, you can't go in here. You can't be a part of this. You know, maybe it's a big no, no, no to who you are. Um, I also think about, you know, like factory rejects. You ever hear that? Or, you know, you, you see like, like those like red stamps that they put on, on something that doesn't pass muster. It's some uh, product that you're making, but it's not right. It's misshapen or it's broken. 
It, it doesn't pass the inspection, and so they put a red stamp on it. Rejected, you know? And then they sell it to you at an outlet mall for 50% off during Black Friday, you know? <laughs> Sometimes they do that. Um, now, I, I remember hearing uh, that they have this thing called gleaning uh, for vegetables, like potatoes and stuff like that. And so what gleaning is, it's a process of picking uh, the, the potatoes and vegetables that um, you can sell at market. And oftentimes, the way they pick it is just on looks. You could have a perfectly good potato that if you chop it up and you put in your cooking, no one's going to be able to tell the difference. But because it's kind of funny shaped, you know, they'll just toss it out, you know? And um, that, that process of saying, ah, there's something wrong with you. You know what? This isn't fit for consumption. This isn't good enough. That's rejection, isn't it? We reject those things. What does that look like in life for us? Because what, what I hear, and I remember reading this somewhere, that rejection, especially social rejection, is one of the most painful human experiences that you can have. Do you believe that? Do you think that's true? I actually want to do like a, a, I want to show you um, an experiment that they did. So they did this uh, psychology experiment. And so I actually want to get, um, can, can you guys help? Stephen, Kevin, can you guys come up? Okay, all right, so come up here, guys. And can you guys just stand right over here? All right, stand right over here so we can see you both. Okay, this is just going to involve some ball-catching skills. You guys think you can do that? Okay, so imagine there's a, 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 an experiment, okay? And so you come into this experiment, and Stephen has no idea what's going on, Okay. And so it turns out that Kevin and I are in on this experiment, okay? And so we're just like in a waiting room, like a hospital uh, waiting room or something, um, like at a doctor's office. And so, you know, somebody picks up a ball and just starts throwing it around just to pass the time. So, so I throw it at Kevin, right? Kevin throws it back to me. And then I look at Steven and I smile, right? And, and, and I'm like, huh? huh? And, and I pass the ball to him. And then Steven passes the ball, right? But afterwards, after I pass it to Steven once, Kevin passes it to me, and I just ignore Stephen. And I just keep throwing it to Kevin. How would that make you feel? How would that make you feel? <laughs> Not so great? Not so great? All right, guys, uh, you guys did a great job. Give, give, give me a hand. Give me a hand. <clears throat> okay, that seems really silly, right? Just really random. Just some strangers passing around a ball. Right? That doesn't seem like it would ruin your day or psychologically scar you or anything. But you know what they found, uh, silly as it may seem, that people who were not in on the experiment, the, the Stevens in the experiment, actually reported a lot of psychological pain from that. They're like, man, that really hurt. You know? And it seems so silly because you don't even you know, know what's going on and it's just a silly ball, right? But can you imagine that it's something more serious than that? Can you imagine that it's your friends or your family rejecting you? You know, maybe there's somebody that you really like. You ask them out. Or you really had hopes, like, oh, maybe. You start seeing a future. And you ask them out, and they're like, oh, thanks, but I'm busy. I have to wash my hair. You know what? You're such a sweet friend. <laughs> you know, what does that feel like when somebody rejects you romantically? What does it feel like when you don't get a job, you know, that you wanted? Hey, you know what? You're just not a right fit for this company. 
What does it look like when, you know, your friends, like maybe you have some friends and they, they like hang out with each other, but nobody calls you. What does that feel like? Man, I got to tell you, I experienced that a lot as a kid. I remember um, when I was in middle school, there was these kids that I really desperately wanted to be my friends. Um, they all played soccer together, but I, I was not a very athletic kid, so I, I wasn't on the teams with them, but I really wanted to be their friends, right? And, you know, sometimes I would come around and they would be laughing, and I found out that they were laughing at, at me, not with me. And I remember there's this time where, did someone laugh at me? <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I've been healed in Jesus' name. It's, it's getting better. Oh, I'm like sweating now. Oh, it brings back bad memories. But I remember there's this time where, um, like, like, they were going to the mall and... <laughs> You ever do this where you, like, you really want to like, hang out with people, but you didn't get a direct invitation? So you kind of invite yourself. Oh, you guys go to the mall? I'm going to the mall too. Yeah, I guess I'll see you there. And they're just like, yeah, whatever, Steve. <laughs> right? like, I wasn't really invited. But I'm like, Mom, I'm meeting my friends at the mall. And I went to the mall, and I was desperately looking for them. And when I saw them, I had to play it off like, oh, hey, hey, guys, good to see you. Yeah, I guess we're both walking over here, right? They're like, ah, get out of here, you stupid kid. It's like, oh, shit. It's painful. It's painful, isn't it? Friends, you know, rejection, um, it's not just a, a, a normal experience for us. But like I said, I think that quote is true, that it is one of the most painful human experiences. Um, they've done all kinds of studies, and when they ask people to recall vividly uh, rejection in, in, in you know, a person's life, that psychologists found that the pain that people experienced, people described it to being on the, like, similar level. By the way, this is according to these psychologists, so uh, women who've ever um, experienced childbirth don't get mad at me. But apparently, they, they compared it to the pain of, like, childbirth or getting, like, cancer treatments. And you're like, whoa, whoa, that seems really extreme. You know, and what's funny is other, like, kind of, like, psychologically painful things like, you know, disappointment or, or you know, just kind of like, like stress or, you know, what, what, just kind of normal things you experience in life didn't rate as high. And, and they've even done studies where they looked at brain scans and rejection, it fires the same areas of pain as, as physical pain. It's like you're in agony. It's like, you know, your, your, your heart is getting ripped out. Friends, we don't like to admit that. No, it, it doesn't seem like a real cool thing to admit how much you've been rejected. But friends, I mean, it makes sense when you think about the way that God wired us. We have been wired, hardwired, for belonging, for love. And so rejection is the complete denial of that. And in, so, in many ways, our, our survival, you know, was, is very much uh, uh, tied to the ability to socialize and the ability to be cared for as a child. And so rejection, it feels like death. It, it feels like you're dying in some ways. And friends, you know, when we think about that, uh, one of the things that I find interesting, and I find this comforting, I don't know about you, but I find it comforting that Jesus Christ himself, the Son of God, experienced a lot of rejection. In the story today, we read about re rejection, but it's all over the Gospels. This is not an isolated incident. 
But in every gospel, in all four gospels, you see Jesus being rejected by people, oftentimes again and again and again, right? And so here we see him being rejected by people closest to him. And so this is uh, uh, chapter 6, verse 1 and on. He went away from there and came to his hometown. So this is his family. This is his community, people he grew up with. And his disciples followed him. And on the Sabbath, he began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard him were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? What is the wisdom given to him? How are such mighty works done by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, except in his hometown and among his relatives and in his own household. And friends, I think there is a a couple of things going on here in terms of that rejection. On one level, maybe it's kind of the whole like familiarity breeds contempt, you know, like where it's like, hey, you know, we saw Jesus just running around as a boy in this hometown. You know, we know his parents and his family, you know, so him coming and trying to teach us like, hey, I don't think so. We still think of you like a little boy. You know, maybe it's kind of like that. But maybe there's another layer to it too. When they say, hey, is this not, is not this the carpenter? the son of Mary and brother of James? Why do they mention the fact that he's a carpenter? Who is a carpenter in this society? Carpenter is a skilled laborer, works with their hands, a blue-collar worker. You know, and maybe just like um, in our own society that sometimes these kinds of people are looked down upon. Hey, you're not as skilled as like one of these rabbis who learned in a synagogue, you know, and they were trained properly. You're just some worker. You're a carpenter. You know, it's kind of like saying like a construction worker, you know, a truck driver or something like that. You know, maybe we look down on that in our society, you know. And so maybe they're looking down on Jesus in this way. Who is this? And so he gets rejected by people. They, 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 they take offense at him. And we're, we're even told that his ministry is even hampered by that. Not hampered because of Jesus, but hampered because of their unbelief. And he could do no mighty work there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. And he marveled because of their unbelief. And he went about among the villages teaching. So here we see Jesus facing rejection, but it doesn't faze him. He keeps on going. He keeps on ministering. And friends, I got to tell you, you know, like I said, I face rejection in my life. And the prospect of re- prospects of rejection, even in ministry, is something that's very uh, disturbing to me. You know, the fact that someone might reject my message, not like my message, criticize my message. I don't like it. You know, I, I, I like to think of myself as being successful. You know, but this is actually a great comfort to me in some ways. It's humbling to think that not everyone listened to Jesus, Right? He wasn't, he didn't bat a thousand when, when he was preaching. You know, not everyone received him. There are people who rejected him, who even took offense at him, right? And so for me, as a, a minister of God, to say, hey, I expect always to be successful. Well, not even Jesus was always successful, right? 
I mean, this, this isn't just about ministry, by the way. This goes for any walk of life. Do you expect that everyone will always like you every single time? You know, or you're always going to get every job you ever apply for? Or every, every single person that, that you know, you, you have an opportunity to date is going to like you? You know, sometimes it feels like there's people like that in this world. But friends, I got to tell you, well, I mean, you shouldn't marry every single person, right? You shouldn't get every job because you're not skilled and, you know, you're not the right fit for every job. We know this on an intellectual level, but these things still feel painful. But for Jesus, he faced rejection. It was a normal part of life and he kept on going, right? And so then you see, on on the other hand, um, this other story that follows right afterwards. And it seems kind of unrelated, but I think that there are more things in common than perhaps we may think on the surface. Because right after this, uh, Jesus calls the 12, the 12 disciples, and he began to send them out two by two. And he gave them authority over the unclean spirits. And so friends, I can't help but think, in a, in a passage where we're talking about Jesus being rejected, thinking about who the disciples are. Are these the, 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 the people who are the cream of the crop? Or thinking about the disciples, they themselves are rejects. That's too harsh? <laughs> I mean, in some ways, Jesus called, you know, uh, there, there are some people like the tax collectors who would have been very wealthy people, but were rejected socially because they're thought of as traitors, right, of the Jewish people. They're thought of as being highly immoral, as being cheats. And then you got fishermen, right, who were not highly skilled laborers. You know, fishermen weren't really well respected. You know, and by the way, there's some indication that, you know, at least in the stories that we hear about, the disciples weren't even the best fishermen. (laughs) He didn't even get the cream of the crop of the fishermen, you know? But like when Jesus finds them in some of the stories, they're washing their nets, they're giving up. And they even say, Jesus wouldn't catch anything. Not very successful fishermen. <laughs> you know, you'd think he'd get the A-plus fishermen. He didn't. He got the D-minus fishermen, right? You know, and, and one of the things that I remember uh, hearing someone preach about, uh, when you see Jesus call the disciples... They seem so eager to follow him, don't they? And a lot of times we look at that as this really supernatural thing. Like, oh my gosh, why would they just follow someone who just randomly comes and calls them, right? But you have to remember in this society that um, a rabbi was very well respected. And if they saw Jesus as being a rabbi, Jesus calling them was a great honor. For you see, a lot of these people probably grew up in synagogues. They grew up learning Torah. They grew up learning scripture, and there would be rabbis that would look at a class of young pupils and see how quickly they're memorizing scripture, to see their understanding of scripture. And they would be like, oh, young Ben, your understanding is very good. Hey, come talk to me after class. Why don't you follow me and become my disciple? Peter, hey, man, you got to get it together. Hey, have you thought about being a fisherman? Your dad was a fisherman. Maybe that's the life for you. These guys were not the cream of the crop. They weren't picked to follow other rabbis, right? 
And maybe a part of them, for them, was this idea where a rabbi comes and says, hey, come follow me. You're, you're fishing for fish. Why don't you come fish for people with me? And they're like, me? You sure? You see my scores at synagogue? You see how I did? Man, I, I can't memorize any scripture. I, I, I can't retain anything. You really want me? Jesus is like, yeah, come follow me. Right? He picks outsiders. Well, friends, can I be so bold as to say losers? People who are not the first pick of anyone. And he calls them and says, I will use you. And check this out. In this passage, this is a momentous passage because up until this point, we see Jesus and he's doing the heavy lifting, right? He's the one healing people. He's the one driving out the demons, And the expectation for a disciple is that they will do the same thing that their master does. And here we see Jesus giving them that authority to do just that. So he says, and he called the 12 and began to send them out two by two and gave them authority over the unclean spirits. Remember, we've been talking about the word authority. It's a kingdom word, right? Jesus is the king. He is coming to establish a new kingdom. He has authority over all the other spirits. He has a holy spirit. It's different, higher, above the unclean spirits. He can drive out the unclean spirits and he gives that same mantle of authority to his disciples. It's a great honor. It's a great honor, isn't it? For these rejects, for these people who are not the first pick. Now they're given the authority of God. And he charged them to take nothing for their journey except the staff. No bread, no bag, no money in their belts. They are relying upon the Spirit of God, the authority given to them by the Spirit of God, more so than their stuff, their resources. They are learning to trust in that. And it says to wear sandals and not put on two tunics, right? They're not going to have a spare They're just going to have the clothing on their backs, that's it, and the authority of God. And he said to them, whenever you enter a house, stay there until you depart from there. And friends, you know, Jesus is giving them this charge to do ministry. And they're going to call them to repent. They're given authority to heal. We're told that they go out and they cast out many demons. And they anoint with oil many who were sick and they heal them. It's a great success story, isn't it? This is wonderful. This is so nice. Jesus takes on rejection. And he calls the rejected ones. And now they have a new place of belonging, a new identity. You are my disciples. Now go out and do as I do. It's beautiful, right? I wish we could end the story there. I wish we could end the story with... So the rejected ones were never rejected again. No, no, no. That would be great, right? It would be a great way to end the sermon. Fortunately, that's not how the story goes, is it? Jesus tells them, hey, if any place will not receive you and they will not listen to you, when you leave, shake off the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them. What is Jesus telling them? What is Jesus telling them is a real possibility. When you go out, 
and you proclaim the good news, when you proclaim the good news of the kingdom, you call them to repent. Some people will reject you. So the rejected ones, they have a new place of belonging with God. But friends, make no mistake, there is still the possibility of rejection for them. Friends, I, I think that sometimes we like to categorize the Christian life with just victories. You know, it, it's, we emphasize all the good stuff in it, right? Like, oh, Jesus will love you, and he will never abandon you, and he will forgive you, and he'll always be with you. And friends, those things are true. Those things are wonderful. But then I think that sometimes we hear those stories, and we like to emphasize that. And there's a problem is when you actually go out into the world and some people don't understand. Some people take offense that you have the name Jesus, that you take the name Christian, a little Christ. You know, in this world, I I think we have to own the fact that sometimes Christians don't act properly. We don't act like little Christ. We actually try to act like we're better than people sometimes. We're so judgy. Right? And we have to own that, that we've made some mistakes. And with our name, Christian, Little Christ, some people hear that name and they sneer, they take offense. Some people, you know, they take offense because of the abuses, because of the ways that we've misrepresented Christ, but also just the exclusivity of Christ, right? The, the, the fact that there is a call to change your life. Remember, you know, we've been saying this. Jesus did not come to make you comfortable. Jesus came to overthrow kingdoms. He came to establish a new kingdom. The past two weeks, we've been talking about the fact that change and comfort are just diametrically opposed, right? You know, no pain, no gain, as we say. You know, if you want to change your body, you're going to have to be uncomfortable. This is just a part of it, right? And and Jesus coming to change people's lives, it, it, it jacks up people's lives, it does make them very uncomfortable. I remember um, Kyle Eidelman, he wrote this book called Not a Fan, and he was talking a lot about repentance. And somebody wrote him this very like, sharply worded letter, and, and he was like, I am no longer coming to this church. Right? He's like, oh, got my attention. You know? and, and so uh, he like, called the guy. He was like, hey, man, I got your letter. You know, I just wanted to see, you know, like, hey, you know, I, I, I understand your decision, but I just... Can you just help me understand, you know, is there something that we could do? And, and the guy was like, Pastor, you know what? I just feel like just week after week, just all your sermons, I just feel like you're trying to change my life. And, and Kyle Hedeman is like, yeah, yeah, we are. This is exactly what we're trying to do. It's like, well, I don't like it. And friends, you know, it is uncomfortable. We don't always like it. And some people do take offense at that. I know I take offense at it sometimes. Like, you know, someone I love, like my wife, or somebody in the ministry even. When I get called out on something I did wrong, you know, like, hey, hey, you know, could you, could you not do that? Or, hey, you know, maybe you shouldn't have done it that way. I'm like, who are you to judge? You know, I get like all like indignant. You know, I get like all red-faced. You know, I start thinking about all their flaws. Well, you're not so perfect. Who are you to cast judgment on me? Or I just shut down. All these things happen because I don't like being called out. I don't like being wrong. You know, and in some ways, 
sometimes that feels like rejection. You know, like, like you're saying that there's something wrong with me. Do you not love me? Do you not accept me for, as, for who I am? Sometimes we think that. We think that either Jesus will change you or he accepts you. And actually what you see in scripture is you get both. Jesus does love you exactly as you are. But, you know, if I were to love a child who kept placing their hands in fire and burning themselves, and just being like, oh, I accept you. I accept you. I love you. What is love? You want the best for them. The best for them is to not burn their hands anymore, right? You, you want to change them. You want them to not do those things that hurt them. And at the core of who they are is not the behavior of burning their hands, right? At the core of who they are is who, you, who they were created to be. And God does love you. God does know exactly who you are. But these things of us that hurt us, that keep us from God's kingdom, that keep us from being the people of love and peace that God is calling us to be in this world, the ways that we are opposed to the the, the purposes and plans of God, the ways that we miss the mark, the things that we call sin, God would not truly be loving if he said, hey, you get to just stay there forever. Because those things hurt you. They hurt each other. Remember, friends, Jesus didn't just come to accept the whole world. He came to change it. He came to rule it and reign. Because his rule and reign is the best possible place. So he fully accepts you. But there is an expectation of changing and turning. Not everyone will accept that. Not everyone will be ready for that. You know, and... and as part of being Christ's ambassadors, we have to be willing to accept that as well. You know, sometimes, I've talked about this, sometimes you, you, you bring the word of God to somebody or you, you, you bring, you know, the possibility of change and some people aren't ready for it. But remember, friends, uh, I, I, I do feel like this is important for us to say, it is God ultimately who's going to change a life. You know, and I think that's a part of, you know, that, that Jesus is like, hey, if they don't accept it, you know, you shake off the, your, your, the dust that is on your feet as a testimony against them, but then you leave. You don't stay and just keep like, hey, you know what? What's wrong with you? You, know, you leave. You leave. You let them know, hey, hey, I just want you to know it's not okay, right? Shake off your sandals, right? But you don't stay there and just keep going at it, Right? Maybe they will change later. Maybe there will be the possibility of change. That is for God. That's not for you, right? But at least you were responsible in bringing that word. Right? That was your part, you know? And we got to give God the room to work, you know? And friends, um, <clears throat> maybe for some of us, we're like, oh, okay, Pastor Steve, I was with you with all this stuff about not being rejected because I hate it. I hate being rejected. And I, I like the fact that God does choose those who have been rejected, those, those that are different, you know, those that don't have a place, and he gives them a place. He gives them purpose. He makes them ambassadors of the kingdom. This is a beautiful thing. But I don't like the idea that we could be rejected. Well, friends, this is the thing. Because some people do reject God. No, it's just one of those things that, like we said, not everyone is ready for that change. But the one promise that we have 
is um, echoed in another passage where Jesus sends out his disciples. This is actually the final word in Matthew. This is the very end of the Gospel of Matthew. So Jesus resurrects, and he gives, again, authority to the disciples to go out into the world. And so Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. What is Jesus' promise? Is it that we will never be rejected by people? No. We've already said that. Jesus is very clear. There's a possibility you will be rejected by people. But his promise is that he will always be with us. What is rejection? It's no, no, no. Go away from me. Hey, you don't have a place here. Get out. Right? You're not fit for consumption. You're not good enough. That is not Jesus' word to us. That is not God's word to us. God's word to us is, I am with you always, 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 always. I will never leave you. I will never abandon you. I will never forsake you. So friends, you know, there is kind of a, a, it says in Scripture, you know, Friendship with the world is enmity towards God. Sometimes you've got to choose, right? Who are you going to be friends with? Are you going to be friends with the world or friends with God? But on God's end, he says, you know what? I'm never going to leave you, right? And, and this is one of the things that, that should give us comfort. This is one of those things that should uh, really empower and embolden us through life. You know, even if others reject you, God will not. He's going to be with you. So friends, I, I just want to um, give us a moment to, to think and pray on this and to consider, well, first of all, what are ways that you've been rejected? I know talking about it is uh, kind of hard, isn't it? It's hard to admit when you've been rejected. Even just admitting it just feels painful. So we do all kinds of things. You know, we, we justify the rejection in many ways. Right? Usually what we do is we're like, no, no. See, they didn't fire me. I quit. Well, I was going to quit anyways, right? Oh, you know what? That person rejected me, but I'm actually too good for them, right? You know, we have these ways of not wanting to own that rejection. And, and I, I don't think that's a bad thing, friends. I think that's great. You know, if, if you can fully understand your worth. And to understand that, you know, a person's rejection of you doesn't need to be the final word on who you are. But I think one of the things that perhaps we, we do um, disservice to ourselves and we do um, undue pain to us is when we don't acknowledge the pain of that rejection. How hurtful that can be. You know, I remember once... Um, I, get re- I got rejected from a job that I didn't even want. And I remember thinking, like, oh, this job isn't a good fit, you know? And, and, like, you know, part of me was like, oh, maybe I should just send them, like, a quick email and tell them, hey, you know what? I'm actually no longer interested in this. But before I could do that, 
I get this phone call, right? And the person's like, hey, you know what? Um, Steve, we're really just glad that you showed interest in this position, but um, you're just not the right fit for this. And, and so I had this moment, like I really wanted to be like, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. I was going to reject you first, okay? So let's, let's just get that straight, okay? I wanted to do that, but of course, like, just the gracious thing is to be like, oh, okay, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you for your time, and you hang up, right? But I'm like, I was so mad. Why was I so mad? Why was I so mad? Did that ever happen to you? You didn't get a job that you didn't really want, you know? Maybe th- th- there was a, 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 somebody, you know, a, 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 a potential significant other, <laughs> And you weren't that interested, but they say no to you first before you can do it. You know, has there ever been a time where you didn't get into a school <laughs> and you're like, oh, I don't even want to go to that school. And it still hurts. It still smarts. Friends, this is one of the things that I think we need to acknowledge, right? Some of us, we don't even try in life in certain things because we're so afraid of rejection. And that's another thing that we have to own. Being Christ's ambassador means the possibility that you might be rejected. But you know what, friends? So does anything in life. You try anything, there is the possibility of rejection. And for us to live for God, to live for things that take boldness and courage, means that you might be rejected. God's antidote to that is to say, you know what? Even if they reject you, I am always with you. And by the way, if you do face that rejection, that's something you can bring to God. That's something that Jesus, God's own son, can relate to. Hey, you got rejected? So did I. (laughs) I understand. I understand what that feels like. Sucks, doesn't it? God can understand that, friends. He has picked you because of his immense love and grace not because you showed some kind of great worthiness. And God's uh, acceptance of you is always because of the cross. And what is the cross, friends? What is the cross? It is the ultimate symbol of shame, rejection, death in this world. When Jesus was on the cross, people were still rejecting him. They were jeering at him. They were making fun of him. Hey, You went and saved all these people. Go save yourself. Look at this guy. He's fool. Jesus is on that cross forgiving them. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Even the rejectors, he is trying to reconcile to himself. Friends, God is a God of the rejected because he was a God who has been rejected. So friends, you know, I just want to take a moment, if there's any way that you're experiencing the pain of rejection in your life, or maybe you're living your life out of fear of rejection, it's holding you back. It's holding you back from being a bold witness for God. It's holding you back from potentially trying things for the kingdom of God. Friends, can we just be honest with that? I know God already knows that about you. But for us to acknowledge that, that's going to be part of your healing. And in the midst of that, that you can hear those words that Jesus said to his disciples, and he wants to say to you, I am with you always to the end of the age. Always. Always. So friends, let's pray.
Praise team, can, can you come up and maybe give us some mood music here? <clears throat> Friends, maybe there's something in this message that's been hard for you to hear because you've been feeling rejected. Or maybe there's a part of us that is really just psychologically distancing ourselves from this message because we don't want to face that rejection. Or we don't want to think about the possibility of rejection. So we try to live our life for just certain wins. You know, we just line up wins, win after win after win, so we never have to hear a no. We never have to hear, uh, I'm sorry, but you're not a right fit. We never have to be turned down. Friends, Jesus lived a life where he was turned down. Where people did take offense at him at times. He didn't shy away from that. He kept going. He kept going because he knew who he was. He knew that he was the Son of God. And friends, for any of us who fear rejection, for any of us going through rejection, may you know that you are a son or daughter of the Most High God. God loves you. He sent his son to die for you. He was rejected for you. He was an outsider so you could become an insider. He suffered all the indignity of the cross so that you could have new dignity in Christ. So you could always know that you have a home and place with God. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. He will never leave you as an orphan. He loves you, friend. There is nothing, absolutely nothing that can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, friends. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. So friends, let's just take a moment and just let that seep in. Confess in the ways that we feel rejected and forsaken. Maybe some of you even feel rejected by God at times. You think you have to do something to measure up. Friends, just come as you are. He loves you. Just like the disciples, they weren't the number one choice of people in this world. But God chose them. He said, I can use you. I can change your life. I will never abandon you. And God wants to say something very similar to you as well. Can you open your heart to that possibility? Friends, it is a risk. I'm not going to lie. The life we live for God It's not always a life of comfort, but it is a life of love. It is a life where we are embraced by the love of God for all time, even in the face of the rejection of the world. So let us pray and accept that love again. world has discarded you say you are my precious treasures I will take you and I will use you and I will form you into my people thank you Lord so much for this precious God thank you 
Precious God, we give you praise and thanks that you take the discarded things of this world, the things that this world has deemed unworthy, and you take them and you heal them and restore them. God, you take them and you make them your precious treasures. You make them worthy. You make us worthy, God. You take the rejects of the world and you turn them into your kingdom ambassadors. People who are given your authority, who are made whole in Christ by the reign of God, by the Holy Spirit. Lord, if there's anyone in this place that is feeling rejection or pain of not being accepted by the world, God, may we know your full love. And may we be able to hear your voice above the voices and jeers of this world saying, you are my child. You are my beloved son. You are my beloved daughter. Don't listen to what the world says about you. Listen to my voice. I love you and I will never abandon you. I will always be with you to the very end of the age, to the ends of the earth. I will never leave your side. You are safe and secure in my hands. Precious God, we thank you so much for this love that you pour out to us in Christ Jesus. Lord, we want to live for you. We want to know your love, your grace, and your acceptance. And we want to live for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.